2: Go there. With Shira and Riot. Oh Entertainment, God. music, pop culture, LGBT plus news. Oh Let's go there. Start now. Happy Friday. Let's party. Yeah. Get the claps going. Yes, happy Friday, everyone. What's up? How's it going? <laughs> you know. How you feeling? I'm I'm feeling good. I am ready for the weekend, though. So.
3: You know, mom That's and dad went out in the town, guys. We
2: did. We uh, went out, uh, which, you know, obviously we've been out, but not out like this. We party hopped. Yeah, Shira had her bra showing last night. Oh, you yeah. know, it was a wild night if her bra showing. I showed some skin, <laughs> just and I was wearing
3: some intense heels. Yes, it was, uh, wow, I was I was so shy that I hadn't seen you so dressed up. Because, you know, when we were coming from quarantine, just when we were on Zoom, I was seeing you in onesies all the time. Oh, yeah, sweatshirts and, and leggings. And then, like, you know, you come here, yep. it's kind of... The same thing. I mean, and then we go out, and you're like oh, va
2: va voom. You know, I stepped it up. It was That's great. all I can say. Did you because, have fun? Yeah, we had a lot to celebrate. It's Pride. There's events happening all around LA. Mm-hmm, because we're officially
3: open. Exactly.
2: And so it was. It was a fun time, but definitely it made me uh, need some more sleep today.
3: Oh, for sure. You know, I I always I feel like as I get older, uh, I always say yep. I want to go to bed earlier. But I, I end up going to bed later and later and still waking up at the same early time that I would normally wake up. So I'm going to bed at like, what, 12, 1 p, like, a.m., and then I'm still waking up at like 6 a.m. It's just, I'm really? like, make it make sense for me. It's no, that's It's so not me. disgusting. I need my beauty sleep. I bet. If only we could be like you.
2: Oh, yeah. Getting no, your beauty sleep. Uh-huh. Well, let's get into uh, some what's trending this hour. Before we do, coming up, we've got singer Shia Diamond joining us. How exciting is that? That is at 4.35 p.m. Pacific, 7.35 p.m. Eastern. Plus, the hypocrisy of Juneteenth while banning critical race theory. That's in 30 minutes. But now, let's do the what's trending this hour thing. Senator Rick Scott got the Republicans riled up at the Faith and Freedom Coalition's Road to Majority Conference in Kissimmee, Florida.
4: How many of you are tired, sick and tired of mostly Democrats constantly using any tragedy to take away your gun rights? How many How how are you tired of being called a racist by Democrats in the media? How about being bullied by the liberal media who trash our faith, our work ethic, our history, and this great country? How about these school boards across the country that are trying to teach critical race theory, trash our history, present our founders as racist, and divide us by our color of our skin? How many of you are tired of AOC and the squad?
2: Okay, you get the point, right?
3: My thing is, the liberal media doesn't have to do all of those things because guess what? If you look at a history book, dude, it shows exactly what that is. Using tragedy to take away guns? Yeah, yes, th- of course! It's tragedy! <laughs> I like, think. What is happening you with these people? See things
2: happening in the world and you decide to change them through policy.
3: <laughs> Hello. Like they want to live in a, It's like the world has to get to its lowest that it ever it will ever get and I still feel like Republicans will be like, "No, we're still doing pretty good, you know. <laughs> government please do not be good. in our business. We're doing really great." The it's the liberal media who got us here.
2: It's the apocalypse, but you know, we're doing fine. <laughs> Now, the state of Florida has given in and given the city of Sarasota permission to light up the John Ringling Causeway Bridge with rainbow lights for Pride Month. Thank God. The Florida Department of Transportation, which had initially turned down the city's request, informed the city this week that it will allow the lights. And the West is in the midst of a record-breaking heat wave this week as all-time records were shattered and daily records broken in over a dozen states. Even by desert standards, the heat wave in the Southwest is not normal. On Thursday, the National Weather Service in Tucson tweeted that the city recorded a temperature of 100 degrees at 814 in the morning, the second earliest time in the day recorded since 1948. Palm Springs, hey, 1031 fm You are at 123 degrees, breaking the previous June record of 122 degrees. So there's a lot of heat advisories and warnings out there with safety as a top priority. A reminder that heat is the number one cause of weather-related deaths in the U.S. and providing guidance about the likelihood of heat-related ailments. They're saying uh, you can get heat cramps, heat exhaustion, stroke, possibly death. So stay hydrated and stay Inside That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
3: All right, so uh, the plot thickens as more details come out about Chrissy Teigen and Michael Costello. It's time for the T Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, Now, if you're not familiar, we've been talking about the whole Chrissy Teigen. She had to apologize for all the bullying she did back in the day. Michael Costello ended up coming out with his own story saying he was very suicidal from a moment and and presented um, uh, DMs of Chrissy Teigen basically telling Michael Costello that He's going to die. He should die. He deserves die. All these awful things. Well, um, John Legend has now entered into the chat and is standing up for his wife by revealing that Michael Costello's claims of Chrissy bullying him were completely fabricated. He said this. He tweeted this. Chrissy apologized for her public tweets, but after her apology, Mr. Costello fabricated a DM exchange between them. This exchange was made up completely fake. Never happened. What? Um, He then goes on to say, I honestly, I don't know why anyone would fake DMs to insert themselves in this narrative, but that's what happened. I encourage everyone who breathlessly spread the uh, this lie to keep that same energy when they correct the record. Um, Tegan's rep also alleged that the DMs were te- uh, were fake in a Business Insider report published yesterday. The story pointed uh, to technical inconsistencies in Costello's 2014 screenshots. Um, basically, the reporter noted that the DMs could have been manipulated. Um, the reporter also wrote in the report that a verified blue check mark was not beside um, Tegan's name in the screen grab that Costello shared, and so. What? So, was it someone pretending to be her? I don't know. We have no clue. The plot is thickening. And I don't know if Michael's going to stay silent. But guess what? You should have mind your own business. And now you're, like, getting exposed. And if that's your T-Report, I got more stories coming up this next hour. Stay tuned. It gets even juicier.
2: Okay. Now, coming up, what is the right-to-repair bill and why it's a big deal? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. On Thursday, Congressman Joseph Morell filed a national right to repair legislation with Congress. Many people are celebrating this, while many others are like, "Uh, what does this even mean? Matthew Galt joins us right now, a staff writer at Motherboard. Thanks for being here.
4: Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me.
2: So what is the Right to Repair Act?
4: So the Right to Repair Act is quite simply um, enshrining in law, uh, saying that people have the right to repair their own stuff which on, on the surface sounds very self-evident if your phone or something else breaks. Of course, I can just open it up like I would my car if I know, what I, I know what to need to do, or I can take it down to somebody down the street and get it repaired. In practice, though, especially with Apple devices, especially with a lot of these newer smartphones, the manufacturers put um, software stops and hardware issues into the phones that make them difficult to repair for, for most people. So what the Right to Repair Act does is it says anything that uh, you would need, whether that's tools or special parts or documentation, that you would need to repair uh, a phone yourself or have someone else down the street repair it for you, the manufacturer must make that available to everybody.
3: Interesting. So is that why big tech and other like strong lobbying groups are kind of working against this?
4: Yes, absolutely. Um, So Apple and John Deere uh, is another big one are absolutely lobbying against this stuff. And it's because at the moment they really have a monopoly on who gets to repair this stuff. Um, And the reason that they would want to have a monopoly on this is quite simply, you know, the bottom line, it's lucrative for them. Um, if you have a, a, an iPhone that costs, say, one of the you know the older models that has cost $400, you break it, it's a simple fix, but you take it into the store, the store says, oh, you know what, we don't do this fix anymore, you're going to have to buy a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, in a lot of instances, you can't take that phone to an independent repair store or do it yourself because Apple has software locks inside the phones that make that repair impossible or difficult to do. A lot of times it's something that is a quick, simple fix that simply cannot be done, you know, by the by a person at home.
2: But I feel like I've been seeing all these stores pop up that fix everything these days, but there's still a, a limit to that, you're saying?
4: Yes, there is absolutely a limit to it. And it really depends on uh, the manufacturer. I'm using uh, Apple as the example because they're kind of the most notorious Android phones tend to be a little bit uh, easier to repair, um, but if you take uh, you know, a busted iPhone into one of those repair stores, uh, there's going to be a limit on what they can do. If they want to, depending on the generation of the iPhone, if they want to replace that screen, they may have to send it off to Apple, or you may they may ask you to go yeah. take it into Apple simply because they can't do it in in store. I think a lot of people have encountered this, and this you know this is completely aside from all of the other issues, uh, you know, around privacy and this kind of thing that are associated with right to repair.
2: Wow! Yeah, because in some of the articles they talked about, you know, people um, sending their phone into repair and uh, hack happening or pictures that are inappropriate being released. How would this stop that from happening,
4: though? How this would stop that from happening is that it would give the consumer greater control over who they're taking their phone to. Um, it, a lot of these repairs are very, very easy to do. Um, a lot of it, like, you'd think that replacing, like, the screen on an iPhone sounds very complicated. Um, you can watch a YouTube video, and if you have the right tools um, and some of the software stuff that Apple does on its end, it's actually pretty simple to do. When you take it into Apple, Apple has complete control over who's going to repair it. You know, it kind of goes into their system um, and goes to their repair techs. And as we've, as you kind of noted in some of the stories I've shared and some of the reporting I've done, uh, some of these repair techs are unscrupulous. Um, you know, the the most famous example uh, in 2019, a woman took her phone in to get repaired, and Apple repair techs uploaded her nudes and uh, private video to her own Facebook. Um, oh my god! Now so that doesn't mean that that, <laughs> that obviously an independent repair shop could do the same thing, but the difference is that. When it's an independent repair store that's somewhere close to you and is not a genius bar, those are people that you have a relationship with, right? You've chosen who you're taking the phone to or you're choosing to do it yourself. And having that kind of personal relationship with the people that fix your stuff is, I think, a big deal.
2: Okay, well, uh, thank you. That was Matthew Galt, staff writer at Motherboard. Have a great night.
4: Thank you so very much.
2: Coming up, the nuanced conversation that needs to be had over Juneteenth becoming a national holiday that's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. On Wednesday, Congress passed a bill recognizing Juneteenth as a federal holiday. But how is it that it can pass that but critical race theory? can't be approved at all well back with us is saida grundy an assistant professor of sociology and african american studies at boston university she's also got a book coming out (laughs) respectable (laughs) promise paradox and the making of the morehouse man that's coming out in april 2022 saida thanks for being here Hey, y'all. Hey. Hey.
3: Now, everybody, get your pens and your notebooks out because Dr. (laughs) Saida is about to take us to school real quick because this is something (laughs) that... I think we really have to have a serious conversation about because for me, I feel so conflicted about this whole Juneteenth conversation, it becoming a national holiday. And we talked about it here yesterday on the show about who I felt like I'm conflicted on who should be one getting the right to have off days off of work and also to celebrate it. I wanted to know your perspective on that and, and if you had any conflicting feelings about that announcement that was made. Well, yeah, so here's what's
5: interesting. I mean, first, to put it in the context of holidays. So holidays are a really interesting battleground legally. So, you know, federal government can make holidays, but states don't actually, states actually have the right to acknowledge them or not. We saw that with the MLK holiday, right? And what ended up happening with MLK Day is that finally pressures like black athletes in the NFL refused to play, you know, put the Super Bowl in Phoenix and then Arizona which John McCain was the last holdout against MLK Day. Oh, wow. I don't know why we keep celebrating John McCain, right? <laughs> um, so we have a system in which uh, the federal government can put things into place, but states don't actually have to do them. Oh, wow. So that's the interesting about holidays. When it comes to Juneteenth, what we see is this was really pushed up by black politicians, uh, the, what's the Congress from Texas, who really have been fighting for this for a while. I will say this to entertain and to acknowledge um, what you're feeling, Ryan, which is a conflict about these things. Because we know that holidays can be purely symbolic. It's not that the symbolism is meaningless. It's that the symbolism can be empty of any and all corrective and restorative justice. So for Juneteenth to accompany something, which would be an acknowledgement of slavery, which would be a national, you know, what we would call reparations, national act to actually you know, repair what slavery did to particularly the black underclass, that would be important. But what we have now is we see at the the state level, we have a complete white backlash against teaching about slavery. And at the federal level, we have this symbolic gesture towards acknowledging slavery. Now, those two things are in direct conflict with each other. And what it sets up is a holiday that is devoid of any meaning.
2: Mm, So, yeah, a lot of empty promises here. Right. Exactly. So what do we I will, I Yeah, will, what? Yeah, go ahead. Now I was going to say what do we do with this? We, you know, this is a recognition yeah. a lot of people have been fighting for, but obviously two truths can exist. There could be like, well, it's great that we yes. have that, but at the same time, um what does it really mean?
5: Yeah. So what can we do with it? I think, you know, in the spirit of black people, we will make a dollar out of this 15 cents, right? We will, yeah. you know that yeah. is sort of what we have done historically. So, it's not that I want to see the holiday repealed at all. I, I you know, I think it's any you know, even though the bar is on the floor for what this country does to acknowledge slavery, I will take recognitions of slavery, right? That is actually, I think, mean, as late as a starting point as it is, that is something that I consider important, right? Um, now, with that, what do we do with it? Do, how do we acknowledge slavery? Do we make this, you know, like we've done with Pride Month and, take and make, you know, make it a corporate, you know, sh- shield, right? We took, you know, pride and we stopped talking about transgender people. We stopped talking about rights. We stopped talking about injustice. And we started talking about how you could buy into it. Right. Mm. I don't want to see that done with Juneteenth. I don't want to see that done with any holidays that, you know, that that are supposed to acknowledge injustice is done in America. So what I would like to see Juneteenth paired with is what we can actually do a more powerful move to actually teach slavery accurately in our in our curriculum in K through twelve, which we're not doing. In fact, we're running the other direction on it. Um, you know, what this past 2020 has shown us, um, my colleague Hakeem Jeffries uh has done research on, you know, we think of this sort of rational awakening happening since George Floyd. But the data really shows us that white people continue to think of the police murders as one-off. They ah. don't actually connect them to any sort of structural issue, any sort <laughs> yeah. of widespread injustice. They can, they can acknowledge that their injustice is singularly. And so what Juneteenth almost does is it allows us to say, oh, yes, slavery was this thing that happened. And then disconnected from the history of slavery, Jim Crow, and what we still experience in terms of, you know, economic injustice, mass incarceration, et cetera, and that white people can say, oh, that was a singular thing that happened
3: once ago, right? Yeah, right. And what we should be doing is connecting it. Mm-hmm. Dr. C, Saida, I really want to talk about, because we're going to go on a quick little break, I want to talk about If we are going to have this holiday, if we're going to celebrate it, and you're in the education system, you kind of brought this up already about how Mm -hmm. critical race theory is kind of, you know, this country is running away from it. How should we be celebrating this moment? How should we be educating ourselves? And so we're going to take a quick little break. And when we get back, we're going to to discuss that so our listeners can actually get some call to actions in a tangible moment out of this conversation. So don't go anywhere. We will be right back.
2: I'm Sandra
0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's go
2: there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back with Dr. Saida Grundy, Assistant Professor of Sociology and African-American Studies at Boston University as we continue to dive into Juneteenth.
3: So my concern is that this is a now a federal holiday and people yes. are just going to think, oh, well, we're just going to take off of work. But how should we be <laughs> celebrating this? How should we, you know, especially non uh like non-black and, and non-POC right. folks, how do they celebrate a, a day like this or educate, use the day to educate themselves? What does that really look like?
6: Right.
5: I think that a great way to actually acknowledge the history is to talk about the actual historic legacy of slavery that is still directing and still organizing how black people and marginalized people experience this country, right? So if we really wanted to acknowledge Juneteenth, we say, oh, wow, you know, black poverty isn't a result of any black cultural deficit. It's a result of slavery, right? We would say segregation isn't a result of any natural instinct for people to want to live amongst themselves. In fact, that's a myth. It's a result of slavery. It's a result of Jim Crow. We would acknowledge that Jim Crow lasted 100 years post-slavery, that black people have really never gotten, you know, emancipation did not mean anything except what we call a temporary a sort of ACME period. Followed by a nadir. So right after uh, slavery, during Reconstruction, you have Union troops occupying the South. And they basically are sort of the military force that has some mode of safety for Black people. And we see Black people coming out of slavery with just like, I mean, just gas in the engine. They established 101 historically Black colleges. There's the Freedmen's Bureau, which which amasses $5 million in Black wealth immediately in the years following slavery. And then what happens that black progress is met with with white backlash. Yeah. Andrew Jackson, who becomes president upon you know Lincoln's assassination, is one, he's a devout racist, and he sees the Civil War as the fault of black people. He yeah. blames black people for the Civil War. <laughs> Lincoln did, too. Lincoln said, had you not come to be amongst us, this war would have not happened. Sir, how did we come to be amongst you, though? Right? So what we have is Every time in our history there's been a modicum of black progress, white backlash has met it. So if we really wanted to acknowledge slavery, we would acknowledge that nothing about black people's condition is an effect of black people's you know defectiveness. Everything about yeah. black, black people's condition is a result of slavery, from our economics to our health to mm-hmm. COVID inequalities to everything else we've seen, to our housing, etc. And if we wanted to acknowledge slavery, we would correct for the legacy of slavery.
2: Ooh. I mean, yes. <laughs> Seriously. So, so and, and this is something we need to do, not just on Juneteenth, obviously. It's a Oh, absolutely, a, a huge, right. It's a, a lifelong Teens focus. Juneteenth should be a mile marker. Yeah.
5: Chira, Juneteenth, we should check in with this country every, what is it, June 19th, now. Every June 18th, 19th, we should check in and say, what have you done to correct your ills against black people? That should be what Juneteenth does.
3: Oh,
2: Well, Dr. Saida, you are incredible as always and always give us a lot to think about here.
3: And I'm excited for your book. Seriously, because every time you open your mouth, I'm just going to be like, I I know getting your book and reading your book is going to be just like hearing you in my brain. And that's the best feeling ever. Seriously. (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, oh, thank you dear again that was dr saida grundy uh, from boston university also get her book Well, will get it ready to get ready to get it april <laughs> yeah, 20, 2022 yeah. it's called respectable promise paradox in the making of the morehouse man saida thanks as always you're amazing thank you guys now coming up we've got what's trending this hour the justice department announced support for trans youth what that looks like next let's go there with shira, shira and ryan channel q uh, a lesbian couple got kicked out of a restaurant in North Hollywood, California, for kissing. And we've got uh, one of them, Christy Caldwell, joining us in 15 minutes to share her story. Plus... Singer-songwriter Shia Diamond is joining us at 4:35 PM Pacific, 7:35 PM Eastern. So just hang out with us on this lovely Friday for all that and so much more. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. The U.S. Department of Justice submitted statements this week to judges in West Virginia and Arkansas, challenging recently approved laws that critics say are against trans rights and trans youth the legal briefs are in connection to lawsuits in those states that have been brought by the american civil liberties union against these new laws and in both cases the department argues that the laws violate the rights of equal protection found in the 14th amendment in west virginia by the way a law was passed banning trans athletes from competing in women's sports in middle school all the way up to college and this basically shows the biden administration's stance and fight to make sure these laws do not pass Now, Kamala Harris shared the tragic reality of kids getting COVID-19. Here is the VP speaking.
7: Virtually every person who is in the hospital right now, sick with COVID-19, where their families are sitting by the bed, holding their hand, almost every one of those persons is unvaccinated. (laughs) Almost every one of them... (laughs) is unvaccinated
2: (laughs) let the children speak Uh, so that was basically her talking about generally those who are being treated for COVID-19. The kid part of it was, apologies, the child that actually spoke. <laughs> you heard that. <laughs> and the kid was like, yep. The cutest
3: part. Say that! Yeah, exactly. That's literally what they sounded
2: like. Uh, and that was what's turning this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, let me put on a special song. Here we go. So, uh, Miss
3: Taylor Swift made the announcement... Of her second re release, her do over album. It is time for the T Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So, Red is um, her 2012's Red is the next album that she is re-releasing and re-recording at following the rollout of her re-recording of Fearless. Uh, She announced the news today. And honey, let's just say Jake Gyllenhaal might want to steer clear of social media because there's songs on that red original album that was actually about Jake. (sighs) Um, if you didn't know, when they had dated and like he was, she was like dragging. I remember him. that. Yeah, it was a whole thing. So uh, he might want to steer clear from social media, but you know, fans actually speculated for months that she would uh, surprise Swifties with a June 18 midnight drop of 1989 Taylor's version. However, she announced today that 2012's Red will be the next re-recorded album on her agenda. She um said in her caption, "This uh, the next album that I'll be releasing." Releasing is my version of Red, which will be out on November 19th. This will be the first time you hear all 30 songs that were meant to go on Red. And hey, one of them is even 10 minutes long. What? Yeah, it's it's, it's. intense. She also released a separate statement that uh, kind of went along with what seems like the new album cover. Um, But the real petty part here, that the reason why I'm over any, like just covering it in general, is that she released this news On Scooter Braun's birthday. His (laughs) birthday is today.
2: She knew what she was doing.
3: She most definitely knew what she was doing. And if you're confused on why that's such an important piece to the story, well, Scooter Braun is the one that sold all of her original music to another, um, uh, just... He sold it to another company, like another record label, and she had no clue about it. It was all this drama that was surrounding it. And they just don't have a healthy relationship, I will say. I'll just keep it at that. Um, But it's just, it's really uh, funny that she made this announcement. And maybe 1989, Taylor's version is coming. But right now we get red Taylor's version coming up with um, 30 songs, which, girl, What? I mean, that's intense.
2: Yeah. Are you excited, though? Bring it back. I was never like a ginormous Taylor Swift fan. I mean, I appreciate her music when I hear it, but I'm not like blasting it. So you're (laughs) saying right now that you hate
3: Taylor Swift?
2: That is not what I'm saying. (laughs) Don't put words in
3: my mouth. She hates Taylor Swift, everyone. All right, well, that's your tea report. Um, Sure hates Taylor Swift.
2: I guess that's uh, it for us. (laughs) Hate is love, and love is hate. Uh, Coming up, this lesbian couple was kicked out of a restaurant in Los Angeles for kissing. Christy Caldwell. uh, joins us after this to share her very intimate story. That's
4: next. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one,
1: they're listening to audio.
0: Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
2: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So last night, a lesbian couple was thrown out of a restaurant in North Hollywood, California. Basically Los Angeles. Because they were kissing. Now we have Christy Caldwell on the line with us to share her story and what actually happened. Christy, thanks for being here today. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Now, of course, it is Pride Month, so this is horrible to hear about, but this is just horrible any moment of our life. Uh, So what happened?
7: Yeah, so um, I was out in North Hollywood where I live, um, out on Magnolia, and I was on a date um, and it was our first date and we were having a wonderful time. Um, and we were out at a cute little bar and then we wanted to keep going. So we were like, oh, let's put an yeah. El Tejano. Um, it's, uh, um, it's not the classiest joint. It's known for, it's like extra large margaritas oh, and yes. people play games. Yes. People Even play better. games there. So. so you can imagine that you could, probably do and be whatever you want at a place that has jumbo margaritas.
3: Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Honestly, I'm already there. (laughs) Right.
7: You know, I'm like, I feel, I feel comfortable here. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyways, we went to the bar, we got some beers. Um, we went and sat down they put us at like a little corner table, which was fine. We were like getting to know each other. And, um, I was like, Hey, you know, like we're vibing, let's kiss. And so we were like kissing and, um, kissing for a little while, you know, we were into it. Um, And all of a sudden the security guard walks up and he's like, "Um, hey, everybody's staring at you guys. And I said, okay, Uh (laughs) I said, okay, I don't care. Um, That's their problem, not mine. And he said, well, you can't do that in here. And I said, do what? And he said, "You you can't kiss in here. I said, you're telling me I can't kiss another human being in a bar, really? And he's like, yeah, and if you keep doing it, you're going to need to leave.
3: So wow. what can I ask, this was outdoor seating, right? Because as we, <laughs> you know, restaurants are still n- not really doing indoor seating. It's outdoor seating. So it's not like a COVID thing.
7: Yeah, we were all outdoors. Like, it's a huge patio. The whole thing is basically outdoors for the most part. So it's a huge patio. We're outside. Like I said, we were all the way in the corner, like, minding our own business. Wow. And yeah. So that happens. And then I, as like, he's walking away, I was like, are you kidding me? And then the table next to us was like, they can do whatever the heck they want. Like it, it why are you, why are you being hateful towards them? Yeah. Um, and, and we were like, wow, thank you so much. And so anyways, I told the girl, I was like, Hey, grab your stuff. Let's get out of here. Um, and we walked out and he was standing at the front and I said, can I please speak to your manager? And of course I had to have the internal conversation with myself, like compose yourself, do not turn into a crazy person. You need to come out of the, uh, out of this on top.
3: Which Um, sucks that you had to do that and had to think that way because honestly, that's only a, that's an example of misogyny because you felt like you had to compose yourself to get something done. But yeah, sorry that you had to go through that.
7: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had the talk because I was like, I want to make sure that they know I'm serious and I'm not just going to be crazy. So I asked, I said, can I please speak to your manager? And he said, he's right here. And the guy was standing right next to him, just mean mugging me. And I was like, you understand that, you know, your your associate just completely discriminated against me mm-hmm. and my date. And um, that and the manager looked at at us and said, yeah, and you're not allowed to do that. here." What? So, so they admitted like, it? Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: yeah. Wow. So, And and you left uh, a Yelp, a bad Yelp review, obviously, and you're speaking out about this. What's been happening since all this went down?
7: Yeah, I mean, I've had an insane amount of support. I've got, you know, LGBTQ plus family and friends and everybody has just been amazing and reposting and calling out El Tejano and... Just been on the, you know, the warpath with me. Like this is just completely unacceptable. Um, and so we all, all of us that wrote on Yelp, got the same message back from El Tejano saying, like. Oh, we're sorry. And the the manager was fired and we want to accommodate, you know, some friends and family, but it's a standard message back. So,
3: yeah. And I, you know, we've made a, a couple of just like lighthearted jokes here, but I, I really want to check in with you because I think we're living in 2021 and the fact that this is still happening can be very traumatizing. And so I wanted to check in with you to see how you were doing.
7: I, I really appreciate that. I, I, feel like last night I have not had that anger inside of me in a very, very long time and it came out and that didn't feel good. But then today to have the outpouring support and like the reminder of how much love I have around me, I honestly, it feels it feels so good. It feels empowering.
2: Well, thank you for being here and for sharing your story. And hopefully something comes of this and it's a reminder to not discriminate and don't be homophobic. And
3: also it's a reminder that, guess what, that, that
2: business will be hopefully running
3: out of business very soon because we're not. Uh, we're not accepting that type of behavior and people shouldn't, especially if you're an ally, especially during this month out of all months. Mm-hmm. This is a way to show up, speak up, leave a comment, say something and don't go in and. and
2: Eat there at all? They gotta learn their lesson. Yeah,
7: yeah it's not even good, anyways. <laughs>
2: there you go. Yeah, hold these businesses accountable. Uh, Christy Caldwell, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you guys so much. Oh Have a God. wonderful day. And I hope you get a second date. Oh yeah, well we'll see. She was a good kisser. Oh hey, <laughs> ding, ding ding! I feel like I said girlfriend. Maybe I was being <laughs> I'm looking in the future. Manifest. Okay. It. Um, coming up, want to learn more about how to be empathetic? Well, the card deck that is helping people do just that. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now more than ever, it's important that we create safe spaces to have complicated conversations in a compassionate way. We try to do that here on the show, actually. Do we? But (laughs) (laughs) what if empathy is difficult for you? Well, our our next guest is here to help. Uh, Michael Tennant is the founder of Actually Curious, an advocate for diversity, mental health and empathy. Thanks so much for being here today.
8: Yeah, thank you for having me.
2: So, Juan, I love Michael, okay? Uh, And I'm so excited to Uh introduce him to everyone listening. Tell us more about Actually Curious and your cards specifically.
8: Yeah. So, Actually Curious is a card game and a conversation card game and a movement to spread empathy. We created it in 2018 with the movement of helping to bring the country together. And uh, in 2019, um, I experienced a, a, a bit of hardship and decided to, um, to, to go all in, go all in on taking care of myself and um, learning, learning tools for empathy for myself and using it to, to spread empathy um, with others. Um, I went out on the road in 2019 and just before the pandemic and went to different shops across the country, um, met up with people throughout my past to tell them what had happened to me throughout 2019 and to ask them to play the game. And yeah, by the time the pandemic happened, we were in 75 stores and realized that we were, we had a tool that was helping people come about healing.
3: Who are people like white people,
8: white people, black people. Um, you mean, actually, I mean, the largest part of our audience are women and largely White
3: people, to be honest. Okay, no, that's cool because I I know you're doing a special Juneteenth event, and I think oftentimes, especially after a year like last year, I think when you're talking about bringing the country together and divide, like you know how divided we are, it's one of those things where I think there's a lot of learning that happens, like a lot of educating, and so oftentimes I wonder, well, who is on the other end of that educating, right? And what does that look like in terms of what you want people to learn from your cards?
8: Yeah. Um, I mean I think one of the superpowers that our cards have and the event design that we've put together for Juneteenth has is um trying to make the education that's necessary for anti racism, the education that's necessary for confronting the difficult emotions that show up when uh when talking about race and talking about yeah. um gender and, and all of, and talking about imbalance in this country. Um we help lower the bar a bit so that we make it approachable and then we create a framework to go deeper
2: so yeah how does it happen through a game like just to, just quickly so people like can cards know against humanity? yeah like how does that and you also have these social mm. justice cards
8: yeah. yeah okay so basically the original game um gamifies trust building there are four colors it's the white deck for your listeners it's called the curiosity edition um, there are four colors in it and you'll see like that there's there's a gender neutral face on on the box and the eyes open up progressively. So in that deck there are four colors blue, green, yellow and pink and each color gets progressively more intimate. So you start at blue these are questions that are easy to ask strangers. the green colors start to get into questions about diversity and your values. The yellow starts to get a little more personal and then the pink deck gets, gets really deep. There are the questions that you know you haven't you probably haven't discussed with even, you know, your best friend, your lover, et cetera.
2: Okay, so quickly before we go, the Juneteenth event tomorrow, I'll be there. It's at uh, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 PM Eastern. Tell people more.
8: Okay. So the Juneteenth event is called the Empathy in Action Workshop. It's one of what will be many empathy collaborations that we put together this one is with a duo taylor ray almonte and kara west who formed a really interesting um platform called activism which is uh high intensity boxing meets anti-racism training uh with a bit of mindfulness and meditation so what we've done is mashed up our empathy workshops that we do here at actually curious which which we do for corporations. We do consumer-facing empathy workshops. We'll have a training in July that people can sign up for as well. We matched up our empathy workshops with the activism anti-racism program. And we're really excited to have this moment of celebration, but also this moment of um, purpose, gaining extra tools that we can use on the front lines of fighting racism and spreading empathy.
2: Michael Tennant, you are amazing. Love what you're up to. Again, for those who want to sign up for the event or events moving forward, actuallycurious.com and also to purchase the card games, which are fabulous. Thanks again for being here. We appreciate Thank it. You. Thank
8: you. Thank Thank you, Ryan. <laughs>
2: of course. Right. Coming up, the latest anxiety to take over post-COVID-19. We're getting into that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, as we all know, fully vaccinated people do not need to wear masks anymore in small groups outdoors, nor do they need to wear a mask outdoors while walking, running, hiking, or biking alone. I uh, No, that's according to the CDC. In California, though, it's completely reopened. So we're here in the office as of today. We don't need to wear masks if we're vaccinated. If you're vaccinated. But this is causing a lot of stress for people. You know, as much as we wanted things to open up, to not wear masks, People are confused, it seems, whether they actually want to stop wearing masks.
3: Uh well this happened to me. I went to the Chipotle earlier and um second time eating Chipotle this week, by the way, don't judge me. Yay. Oh wow. Um <sighs> that was really emotional for me to say. No, but seriously, I was in the Chipotle and I the the sign on the door said, Thank you so much for uh for wearing your mask if you're unvaccinated. But I was still wearing my, like, I'm still wearing my mask when I'm going into places, right? Uh-huh. Like, I, that's just something that still makes me feel comfortable. And so I was wondering, while I was in the line, well, if I'm wearing my mask, because there were other people in the, the place without their mask, does that necessarily make people think that I'm unvaccinated? Perhaps. Which is, like, kind of weird, because I'm not. I just want to take that extra precautions. I know so many people who are not rushing to take off their mask.
2: The question is, the bigger one, Ryan, is why do you care what other people think?
3: Not really. Um. Yeah, I guess that
2: is. but I, <laughs> Because I you know think, you're vaccinated. That's all that counts.
3: But Yeah, but I do think it gets awkward when you're in large groups of people. We went to an event last night and I had a conversation with a friend that I saw that I ran into and, and he was like, yeah, I wasn't sure if we were supposed to wear a mask inside and he's like, once I started realizing people weren't, it's kind of like the socialness of it, like the social etiquette of it all made him take off his mask because no one else around him had on a mask and he didn't want to feel like the odd one out. And so there Or is this going to be this inherent new system of othering, like you feeling othered because of no one else is wearing a mask. You're going to look like a weirdo wearing a mask.
2: I mean, I think in the end, you got to do what feels comfortable for you. It might be a transition for some people. Right? Like, you just have it all together. So huh? I'm totally, I figured it out. She just has it all together. I'm just chilling out here. Uh, yeah. Well, if, you I, don't, if you remember,
3: <laughs> Cher really wasn't following the rules in the beginning of the pandemic anyway. That is, not true. So that
9: is course, always a lie
2: when you say that. Of course, course, of course I was she feels models. comfortable no, to not wear no, her mask. No, I feel bad. Listen, I feel bad for. For anyone who has anxiety around anything, including stuff like this, and it's real, right? So I think you need to look at what works for you and maybe, you know, take take step by step before going into like major events or places where you might have to face this, right? Um, and then maybe it'll feel more natural for you and get some professional support. Right? I think this is the purpose tell
3: people to go to therapy because yeah. they have a little anxiety.
2: I think that if it's something that's looming and it's causing you not to be able to move on with like your life and you feel stuck, yeah, of course, it could be real. I don't think anyone said that that was happening. Um, no, according to experts and articles, a lot of people are going to their therapists talking about this. So you know, that I I want to validate the people out there who feel that way. You are heard and seen. <laughs> Well, let us know what you think at LGT Show. Are you getting anxiety over masks? Let us know. Slide into our DMs. But coming up, the Senate may formally apologize for its former anti-LGBTQ. Don't ask, don't tell policy. More details next on what. Let's go there. With, with Shira, Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up in 30 minutes, so excited to have singer-songwriter and trans activist Shia Diamond joining us, and she's got some new music that will be also playing on the show, so stick around for that. And, of course, some tea from Demi Lovato in a moment with the Tea Report. Right, Ryan? Yes. <laughs> okay, let's get into some what's trending this hour. President Biden warned Americans about the new Delta variant. That was today. The yeah,
4: variant right. will leave unvaccinated people even more vulnerable than they are a month ago or a month ago. This is a serious concern, especially because of what experts are calling the Delta, vir- the Delta variant. It's a variant that is more easily transmissible, potentially deadlier, and particularly dangerous for young people.
2: Now, Canada and the U.S. are extending pandemic-related restrictions at their land border for at least another month in a move that is making a lot of people frustrated on both sides. The Trudeau-Canadian government announced today that both countries agreed to keep the crossings closed to non-essential travel until July 21st. And the governments are facing more pressure to loosen the the measures, and they're taking a lot of heat over the lack of clear, detailed reopening plans. Now, a lot of people haven't seen their families if you're in the U.S. or Canada, including me. Now, Senator Tim Kaine of Virginia introduced a let, uh, resolution this morning that could pave the way for a former apo- uh, formal apology sorry, from the Senate for its anti-LGBTQ plus actions in the military, foreign service and federal civil service. The resolution goes into extensive detail about how the government, quote, investigated, harassed, interrogated and terminated thousands of LGBTQ plus Americans from the government's numerous arms, specifically mentioning Actions like the explicit homosexual ban by the Defense Department in 1949, a 1953 executive order from President Dwight Eisenhower banning perversion, which is was for queer people uh, from the Federal Service. And of course, Senator Joe McCarthy's hunting of LGBTQ plus employees in the State Department in the 1950s. So this could be huge if they make this formal apology and they've started the process. And that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
3: Well, Demi Lovato is working on themselves after facing, you know, that scrutiny for their social media war with the small Froglio, um shop in Los Angeles. And it's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. And if you don't follow me online or if you don't follow Odyssey online, what are you doing? Because you missed out that, guess what? We had um, Demi Lovato do an Odyssey check-in and yours truly, one and only, got to speak with them um, about, you know, what pride means to them. Their new podcast, 4D, with Demi Lovato, the one that we're always kind of talking about and promoting here on the on the show, which we really, really love. And um, Demi actually was, if I'm going to be honest with you, can I be honest with you? Let's have of course. real girl talk right now. So I wasn't sure how Demi was going to be. I was like a little nervous of being like, oh, my God, I'm nervous. I'm speaking to Demi Lovato, childhood icon. But then also I want them to be friendly. I want them to be like happy to speak with me. Mm -hmm. And Demi was actually so open and so transparent where Demi um, kind of organically spoke about everything, like what they learned about that moment and kind of was reflecting over what they had to say. And here's a little bit of a clip of that.
9: Well, we're all works in progress, right? If if we're if we're doing our part to make this world a better place by educating ourselves on um, on topics that we you know need to to be less ignorant about, um, whether it's I don't know. I just felt like I there every time I've made a statement um, over Instagram or Twitter, it's kind of I felt like it's gotten lost in translation a little bit and. Um, I, I had an experience in like May or April, um, and, and I feel like I was, you know, it was me talking about something I was very passionate about pertaining to the diet culture. And, and I realized that, um, because I was so passionate and, uh, and so like, yeah, because I was so passionate, I let my emotions get the best of me and it, it, it didn't, allow me to explain where I was coming from. As easily as
3: okay. So we don't want to play too much because we're actually going to play the rest of that full interview, the one-on-one with me and Demi on Monday. So stick around for that Um, because I I really it it really gave me more of a perspective on who Demi Lovato was and what they're learning currently in this moment that they're in. And so I don't know, I'm super excited that we I got to have that experience and got to have that moment, and um, I'm
2: happy that we're playing it on Monday. That is so cool. Yeah, I'm excited to hear it all as well. Yeah, that's your T-Report. Now coming up, Makeup for Men wants to break the gender binary. But is it actually doing that? We look at all of that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So many brands are launching Makeup for Men, you know, to push the boundaries of gender in the makeup world. But does it really? That's the question. Kyla Schuler is with us, a professor in the Department of Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies at Rutgers University. Thanks for being here. Hi, thanks for having me. No, I think when when you think about this, like at first, on the surface, it's like, great, makeup, not just for women. But shouldn't there just be makeup for everyone? Why are we dividing it by gender at this point?
6: Yeah, it's a very good question, right? Because at first, it seems to be really defying a key attribute of femininity, which is that it's the job of women to look attractive for men. And makeup has long been considered part of that job, right? To look pleasing to the the world at large. So to have makeup brands for men seems to be really violating that fundamental law of sexism that it's up to women to to self-beautify. But exactly, why, why can't it just be makeup for for all people. Um, I think part of the problem is that femininity is still remaining devalued, right? And instead of us understanding femininity is something that all of us can have to various degrees, and femininity is long associated with things like self-expression and self-adornment and beautification, what would really be pushing a gender binary is if we said, hey, guess what? Men can be feminine too, (laughs) and makeup is part of that femininity.
3: Yeah, but my thing is, there's even in when you're talking about uh, going into like the the nuances of even queer culture and being uh, gay men in our culture, um, there's this resistance of femininity. There's this resistance of be, trying to be too masculine or trying to just completely. A race, feminine folks altogether, and for me, I, yeah. I, I think about and how that kind of plays into it. How it's basically just another form of toxic masculinity, you know, misogyny and the patriarchy all wrapped in a nice little package deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> what do you think about that? Absolutely.
6: <laughs> and you, know, and even in even in lesbian communities, and even in lesbian feminism. You know, in a a lot of corners of lesbian feminism, the worst thing you can be is feminine, (laughs) Mm, right? Like, it took so long for lesbians to even be able to wear lipstick and say, yes, I'm a feminist, (laughs) and I'm a lesbian, and I can wear lipstick. And so that's what would be really boundary-pushing, is if we said, you know what, like, we all can have the pleasure of self-expression and self-adornment, and femininity is a form of power. Femininity does not mean you are just a tool of the patriarchy.
1: But isn't,
3: I guess the idea of saying makeup for men or makeup by men or for men still kind of inherently pushing this... Makeup is still gendered, and it, it doesn't fall into this. It falls into this binary kind of conversation that we're we're having. Because for me, it just it, when I wear makeup when I'm on camera are like if you know, it's just mm-hmm. like a little foundation. It's not like I'm going to the to asking where's the makeup for men. I'm just going, can I find my color in the yeah. perfect powder? It, it, I don't really <laughs> understand kind of still yeah. what even the marketing aspect well, for, of this oh, looks when, like.
2: Well, when you have a Rod marketing it, you it, a certain type of person. Like, Ava, like a quote-unquote manly man would say, Is oh, he a manly now, man? Now, now I feel like I could wear makeup. What are your thoughts, Kyla? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you said the right word was
6: marketing. I think that's what it comes down to. And And actually, categories like man and woman, male and female are at this point as much about marketing as they are about anything, right? Like, we know they don't have the same kind of biological meaning they, they used to. Like, we know that there are lots of kinds of bodies that aren't just man or woman. Yeah. But man and woman has tremendous power when it comes to marketing, right? You try to buy Kleenex or earplugs or shaving cream. There's different products marketed for men and for women. And so makeup is kind of an obvious extension of that. And it seems to be more about extending the the power of marketing to men than it does to about actually eradicating a gender binary.
2: Are you consulting with makeup brands to make sure this changes, or how does this work moving forward?
6: (laughs) Yeah, it's a good question. I think uh, at this point, the fact that places like the New York Times um, style section is having cover stories showing men in makeup, and we're still really at a new frontier of allowing men in makeup who aren't, say, in the punk scene, right? Like David Bowie broke that barrier 40 years ago. I think at this point we have to get more, uh, people at large have to get more used to the idea, and then we can start saying, you know what, there's just makeup. Yeah. <laughs> there's not makeup for women or makeup for men. Okay. Um, but yeah. at this point, it's too lucrative to market Makeup for men specifically. That's
2: true. That was Kyla Shuler from Rutgers University. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Stick around because we've got singer songwriter and trans activist Shia Diamond joining us right after this. Let's go there with With Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: Now, sure we have a very special guest on the line. We do. I mean, when I tell you, when I say, I normally, I feel like I use the word icon a lot, but I kind of don't really, like, really mean it until this moment. Oh, that's good to know. Um, because <laughs> Shia Diamond is a singer and, Activist, a songwriter. You may know this name because Justin Traitner and Sam Smith and Demi Lovato have all given the green light, being like, this is someone that you need to be checking out. And um, she's joining us in a few to talk about everything happening in her life. But I want to play her new single, Smile, because, honey, it's about to make you smile. Here we go. If I can smile,
10: baby, you can too Cause I took some blows, the Aventro has never ever First verse is a breakdown, uh-huh. I'ma start it with a breakdown uh-huh. Ten years in the lockdown, uh-huh. now I'm looking at lakes now I drop my tears with uh-huh. ORAGs and lyrics uh-huh. Not trying to hear it, stop Oh, wow, that song.
3: I'm
2: telling you. We were you. just dancing in the studio.
3: I'm obsessed with Shea Diamond. Everybody welcome. She a Diamond to Let's Go There. What's up, Queen?
10: Hey, 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 what's going on? Oh my God.
3: You know, I had to give you the best intro because, one, you're such an incredible just moment and artist and human. How does it feel? One, you performed at Out Loud Raising Voices a few weekends ago at the L.A. Coliseum, and that was one of my first-time, I think, experiences seeing you perform. How was it being back in person in that moment?
10: Oh, my God, it was absolutely amazing because after a year of not you know, being around people, you know, we, you know, as artists, we thrive on that energy from, you know, our fans, you know, they come up and they're excited, you know, and, you know, so you don't have that. You so, and for me being single and we're not, you know, it was just me. And so, you know, um, all our virtual things that we did, but being able to be on that stage hearing the reaction from the crowd and meeting you and hugging you you know it was it was really surreal so um i I really enjoyed it
2: and i feel like 2020 was pretty busy for you like while everyone was stuck inside and like you know shows obviously got canceled you were like releasing music you were on soundtracks
10: definitely definitely the work did not stop i just feel like you know um you know I think, you know, virtually, you know, I was a success, you know? Yes, that you know, you kind of miss the the bane of it all, you know, being, you know, on such a huge show, like, you know, we're here, being able to, you know, write that song for their show and, you know, not get a chance to really, really, you know, bask in it, you know, like, you know, so, you know, it was just like, meeting all these icons like bob shangela and eureka mm-hmm. you know and you know they're texting my phone i'm like yo this is so real they're texting me and liking myself oh my god you know and uh
3: <laughs> i mean i don't know why you're shocked because you're so good and it's just i think everyone just got a taste of your new song smile that we just played talk to us about this song and why it's so important especially now <laughs> So to have a song that is making us all smile.
10: Yes. um, You know, know, during the pandemic, like I said, it was like really, really difficult for a lot of us. And I wanted something, you know, in, in our lives that we live, period. You know, we go through stuff, whether you talk about it or not, you go through stuff. You've been through stuff. And um so, like, when do we recover from that? When do we start to heal? You know, when do we t- start to clap back, you know, um snap back from these bad relationships and, you know, um the condition- conditions that we may be in that past, you know. You know, there were there were times where we didn't have, you know, stable housing and all this whole great stuff. And now you can look back on those things and be like, okay, I re- I'm really here. And so I wanted something that, you know, would you know, be a celebration, something that would cause for you to dance, you know, deal with, with, with that hard-hitting truth that we put into the music. But I wanted something that you'd be like, oh, I like that. And <laughs> yeah. something that was so necessary as a smile, taking these masks off and getting to some sense of normalcy and seeing people's beautiful faces again. Um, I thought it was really, really important to write something that would be, you know, um, speaking to our times now which is this freaking pandemic.
2: Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's true. And you definitely did that. I mean, the song is an anthem. I feel like, talk about a way to get out of the pandemic. And also during Pride Month.
10: Yes. Oh, yes. You know, so, you know, I wanted something upbeat as well because, you know, Pride, everybody wants to dance. And I felt like, you know, when I first came out, you know, I, 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 I it was my interest just to for people to get to know me. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the thing. And so my story, you know, it was just like, oh, you know, no, don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm MJ Mary J. Uh, Blige all the way. From, <laughs> for, from I'm going down, you know what I mean. So uh, trust and believe, I will be back. You know, but I just wanted something in, in in this time to be able to have something to dance, you know, to a celebration for us for pride and for us to reclaim pride because you know, as you've been seeing, there's so much straight pride going on. You know, and mm-hmm. it's minimizing um, our pride, and we fought hard for our pride. We fought hard for our visibility. We fought hard for our rights. And pride itself, you know, has always been a riot. And you know, and for us to be, you know, so lost in the sauce that we forget, you know, it's time to employ our queer workers, our queer artists, you know, and put the business back to, you know, to, you know, to some sense of normalcy, you know. Um, you know, hire our makeup artists, our dancers. You know, um, it's time to get back to business, and yeah, we needed some more support from our community, and so Smile hopefully will do that for me.
3: I mean, it most definitely does that, and I, I think it resonates so much. And when you're talking about joy and pride, and and mm-hmm. I even I wonder because um, I've heard so much from Angelica Ross uh, speak about this, especially from a Black trans woman perspective. Do you think pride? Mm-hmm. Um, is for black trans women. I would love to know your perspective for that. Do you feel like you belong in that space? Maybe we can actually keep you on and bring you back uh, for the next segment because I don't want to stop. I don't want yeah, to stop talking to you. So think about that. I wanna I wanna talk about that and then we, we got more Shea Diamond coming right up, y'all. Yes.
2: <laughs> let's go there with, with Shira Sh- and Ryan, channel Q.
3: All right, we are back with the one and only Shia Diamond. And, you know, before we left, I, I, I think there needs to be an important conversation about Pride, and you so beautifully spoke about it last segment about, you know, Pride being a riot. And a lot of that was, Pride was started, you know, and created by Black trans women. And I've heard recently Angelica Ross speak about, you know, her as a Black trans woman and the experience of her being a Black trans woman not feeling like she belongs in, in quote-unquote Pride because of what it looks like and the aesthetics of it all. And I. I would love to know your experience and, and your perspective on that. Do you think there is space for black trans women in pride? And, and if there isn't, how do we make sure there's space? How do we make sure you all are centered?
10: I would love to, first of all, applaud that brilliant woman. Yeah. And, you know, she is absolutely brilliant. And for her to say that, because it's rare that people tell the truth, mm. you know, and she spoke truth. Uh, for so long, we felt like pride, you know, didn't belong to us, that it was just for the gays. And it was something that we kind of like known, you know, and so it wasn't spaces that we, you know, we celebrated either because, you know, um, a lot of us, we were living self. We were just trying to be safe most times. And so, um, um, you know, as far as like pride coming out and you know, and, and, and showing up, like, we didn't do all that. We were just like, okay, those is for the gays, you mm-hmm. know, and they never made space for us either. Um, um, Like Angelica said, like, in bars and stuff like that, you don't get centered. It's about the gays. And yeah. so, you know, nobody's going to give a seat for a lady, you know? So it was that type of environment. And when it came to performance, there were no... Uh, trans performers. There were no one who, who looked like us that was sharing spaces. And so, but now, um, change, uh, pride has significantly changed in such a beautiful way that, I, you know, and you have to be honest, like, you know, do we have, um, do we have, um, you know, um, further to go? Yes, of course. But have we come far? Oh yes, we've come so far and pride is getting better and better. And, um, more conscious and more knowledgeable, you know, about just the start of it and, you know, changing the direction in which it goes now. So I'm, I'm part of our community. I really am. And, um, yeah, it wasn't a space for us, but it, it, it's starting to be. You yeah. know.
2: And and you're part of it. I mean, you've been everywhere, it seems, and in some amazing events. What's coming up for you? We know Smile is out. So what's next? Is it
10: an album? ha! <laughs> Uh so um so we we do have some amazing things in the works. I never thought I would be in a position to say hey, I can't say anything. We got huge stuff, but I can't <laughs> tell. You know, but <laughs> I am um I am definitely in that space. Um and you know it it 's amazing it 's amazing that you know everything you know seemed to fairly um start off pretty fast and has been very consistent mm-hmm. um um and just to seeing the change that has been made um just because of the messaging that we 've added you know um it's more about the healing of our community and advancement of our community. And I think what I bring to the table is, is doing that in your, in your movies, your TV shows that you're seeing and that you're about to see. Um, and, yeah, I want to share so much more. Um, I've been getting auditions, like, out of nowhere that I'm not even, you know, like, you know, they're yeah. coming to me. So I, I feel, like, really, really, really um, honored and pleased in this, in, this, in this climate to be seen and to be heard.
3: You know, I gotta say, one thing that Angelica Ross has told me personally and something that I will always remember is step into your light. And I think you are in your moment where you gotta mm. step into your light and I cannot wait yes. to continue to follow your journey. You have gained so many more new fans here and family here at Channel Q. And so thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. I love, 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 love I you. I love y'all. Thank
10: y'all <laughs> so much for having me.
2: Of course, you're always welcome back. <laughs> Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We're wrapping up the shows we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. Sesame Street, always doing great stuff. Mm-hmm. They are introducing three new characters, a married gay couple and their daughter. We love this. Uh, and this comes from Alan Maroka, who plays one of the characters they posted on Facebook. Sesame Street has always been a welcoming place of diversity and inclusion. So I'm excited to introduce Nina's brother, Dave, his husband, Frank, and their daughter, Mia, to our sunny streets. And here's a clip from that episode.
0: Happy, Daddy, Sesame Street is even more
10: amazing than he said. <laughs> We're glad you like it. Yeah, I'm so happy that you're all here. Are yeah. you
3: kidding? We wouldn't have missed family day for anything.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh. So this is adorable and so needed and hopefully, you know, changes the conversation for kids and families when they watch Sesame Street. I mean, Sesame Street does so much in terms of activism through Children's programming, it's pretty remarkable.
3: No, they really do. And uh, also, shout out to Glad um, because they have been literally working with the Sesame Street team on this episode for two years, over two years, that just dropped today. And um, it's a lot of inner workings of like making sure the story is being told properly and, you know, the. I guess the story is what says like I guess aligns with the branding of Sesame Street, and mm-hmm. I think it's just a huge moment to um, for ses- Sesame Street to take this big step in in making this more normalized because it is yeah it is life. This is what we're seeing in everyday, and it's also really beautiful and cute. And honestly, oh my God, Big Bird has gray hairs.
2: No, that's his grandmother. Get with it, Ryan. <gasps> what? Anyway, that I does, does big it. Big Bird had a grandma. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> that doesn't wear yes, queen of the day. But Big Bird should have
3: gray hairs. He's, like, old as hell. He's been
2: around no, since, No, like, Big Bird never gets older. That's not true. He stays Elmo, the same age. All of them are, like, oh. No um, cartoon characters ever age.
3: They're not so cartoon characters. They're Muppets. But I mean—oh,
2: yeah. No fake characters. <laughs> saying. All right. That does it for our show today as well. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, being part of our family. We are back here Monday weekdays on Channel Q Live, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On Monday, we're playing that amazing Demi Lovato interview that Ryan did right here on the show. Yes, Um, And, of course, bringing you everything you need to know from the day's news. So... Stick around for that, as always. And also, we have a podcast, so catch up on all our shows, our interviews, everything on our podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. We are sending you love a light, And honey, remember to slay. And stick around for Alex D. What's popping right after this.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?